Father, we adore you. We ask this day that you rain in heavens and breathe upon us, that you speak your word to us yourself, and your name and your name alone will be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen and amen and amen and amen. Okay, so uh, today at Tribe, we we have we have Tribe in a in a different different way than we know it. Um, we are going to be doing things pretty differently today, and um, we trust that God Himself will speak to us and will breathe upon us in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Okay, so today's tribe, like I said, is um, pretty different. So I'm going to bring in some people to join me in this conversation and we'll continue from there. So I'm going to admit, admit them in right now. So we have um, Pastor Yobami coming in. We have Onye coming in. And we have Pastor Gide <laughs> also coming in. So today we are looking at, you see, one thing that kept going up and on in my mind is what is what is referred to as a shelf life of of a sermon or of a teaching you know so um god gives us a word we um seek god and all that and it's it's, it's the, the word is life transforming but many times we are very quick to move on to the next word and the next word <laughs> and the next word yeah we are like word junkies, you know? And um, so I've been feeling that we need to increase the shelf life of the word we share, you know? Okay. Um, so uh, how do we, because if we do what we know already, you know, our lives will be totally transformed, you know? Um, yes, we thank God for new things, the God of the new, you know, and, but we also need to re remember that the word of God is forever settled in heaven, you know, okay. it's forever settled, you know. So um, today we will be contemplating First Kings 20. And First Kings 20, we'll be reading from verse 1 all through to 31. It's a, it's a beautiful read. And I'm sure we all have read it. I mean, if you've been in church for the past two weeks, you should have read it. And if you haven't, um, follow along. Um, so I'll read. <clears throat> and and if, I, if I get stuck, if I'm not fast enough, maybe I'll ask uh, Pastor Didi or Pastor Emma or, or to, to, <laughs> to help me out. So 
About this time, King Ben-Adad of Aram, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, Aram is Syria, mobilized his army supported by the chariots and the horses of 32 allied kings. They went to besiege Samaria and the capital of Israel and launched an attack against it. Ben-Adad sent messengers to the city to relay this message to King Heab of Israel. This is what Ben-Heab says. Your silver and gold are mine, and you, and so are your wives and the best of your children. All right, my lord, the king. Israel's king replied, All that I have is yours. Soon Ben Adad's messengers returned and said, This is what Ben Adad say, says. I have already commanded that you give me your silver, gold, wives, and children. But about this time tomorrow, I will send my officials to search your palace and the homes of your officials. They will take away anything you consider valuable. Then Ahab summoned all the elders of the land and said to them, look how this man is stirring up trouble. I already agreed with his demands that I give him my wife and children and silver and gold. Don't give him to what, don't give him to any of any more demands, all the elders and the people advised. So Ahab told the messengers from Ben Adad, say this to my Lord, the King, I will give you everything you asked for the first time, but I cannot accept this last demand of yours. So the messengers returned to Ben-Hadad with that response. Then Ben-Hadad sent his message to Ahab, may the gods strike me and even kill me if there remains even enough dust from Samaria to provide even a handful for each of my soldiers. The king of Israel sent back this answer. A warrior putting on his sword for battle should not boast like a warrior who is already won. Ahab's reply reached Ben-Adad and the other kings as they were drinking in their tents. Prepare to attack, Ben-Adad commanded his officials. So they prepared to attack the city. Then a certain prophet came to see King Ahab of Israel and told him, this is what the Lord says. Do you see all this army for enemy forces? Today, I will hand them all over to you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. <laughs> Ahab asked, how will he do it? <laughs> the prophet replied, this is what the Lord says. The troops of the provincial commanders will do it. Should we attack first? Ahab asked. Yes, the prophet answered. So Ahab mustered the troops of the 232 provincial commanders. Then he called out the rest of the army of Israel, some 7,000 men. <laughs> About noonday, as Ben-Adad and the 32 allied kings were still in their tents, drinking themselves into a stupor. The troops 
of the provincial commanders marched out of the city as the first contingent. As they approached, Ben Adad's scouts reported to him, some troops are coming from Samaria. Take them alive. Look at the arrogance. <laughs> Take them alive, Ben Hadad commanded, whether they have come for peace or for war. But Ahab's provincial commanders and the entire army had now come out to fight. Each Israelite soldier killed his Aramean opponent, and suddenly the entire Aramean army panicked and fled. All your enemies will panic and flee in the name of Jesus. <laughs> they panic and flee. The Israelites chased them, but King Ben-Adad and a few of his charioters escaped on horses. However, the king of Israel destroyed the other horses and chariots and slaughtered the Arameans. Afterwards, the prophet said to King Ahab, get ready for another attack. Begin making plans now, for the king of Aram will come back next spring. Oh. After their defeat, Ben-Hadad's officials said to him, the Israelite gods are gods of the ears. That is why they won. But we can beat them easily in the valley, in the plains. Only this time, replace the kings with field commanders. Recruit another army like the one you lost. Give us the same number of horses, chariots, and men, and we will fight against them on the plains, on the valleys. There is no doubt that we will beat them. <laughs> so King ben did as they suggested. The following spring, called up the Aramean army and marched out against Israel, this time at Apek, the Valley of Apek. Israel then monstered his army, set up supply lines, marched out for battle. But the Israelite army looked like two flocks of goats, <laughs> just 7,000 men, in comparison with the vast Syrian forces, over 250,000 soldiers that filled the countryside. Then the man of God went to the king of Israel and said, this is what the Lord says. The Syrians have said, the Lord is the God of hills, is the God of the mountains and not of the plains. It's not the God of the valleys. So we will defeat the vast army for you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. The two armies camped opposite each other for seven days. And on the seventh day, with the plane between them, and on the seventh day, the battle began. The Israelites killed 100,000 Syrians, foot soldiers in one day, 7,000 people. The rest fled into the town of Afek, but the war fell on them and killed another 27,000, <laughs> you know? However, Ben Adad fled into the town and hid in a secret room. Ben Adad's officers said to him, sir, 
we have heard that the kings of Israel are merciful. So let us humble ourselves by wearing burlap around our waists and putting ropes on our heads and surrender to the king of Israel. Then perhaps he will let us leave. The Lord bless the reading and the understanding of his words in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this immediately feels like an elephant. We are feasting. We don't even know where we to cut this, this barbecue from. <laughs> where, are we, where are we going to cut this barbecue from? You know, so obviously this word started at last tribe and, you know, it, does, it moved into service because this was the crux of the God of the valleys, the, the teaching yeah. of Sunday, you know. Yeah. And, you know, this word has not let us go. We are still wrestling with it, you know. We are still wrestling with it. So uh, I'm going to jump into the, uh, the things that, you know, I've not even gotten over from, from last week, you know. And I, there's no, they haven't been time to share it. So I will start with that. And that is in verses 2 to 4. It says that Ben-Hadad sent messengers into the city to relay this message to the king of Ahab, to the king, king Ahab of Israel. This is what Ben-Hadad says, your silver, your gold are mine, your wives and the best of your children. And the king said, all right, my lord, all I have is yours. The question is, what kind of man gives up his wife, his children, his, and to an enemy in submission, what kind of man will give up his family to protect his kingdom? What kind of man will sacrifice his wife, will sacrifice his children, his family? A man lives for his family. A man yes. lives and gives his life for his family. So what kind of man will surrender his family? He only had a problem when the, the king <laughs> what did the king do? He just wanted to ransack everywhere. You know, that's why he said, okay, enough, enough of this. <laughs> I'm not being... We will get to that, though. We'll get to that. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what do you think? Let, let's start with Pastor Chidi. What, what kind of man is that? Well, so, um, you know, last week here, we we're talking about allies. I mean, part five of the tribe. So, okay. is that there are about 32. You know, other kings were under, were already under Ben Havard, right? So, what I mean is that, and this other guy, Ahab is not, I mean, he was following idols and all that, so he didn't have any backing. So, he didn't see himself different from the other kings that were around him. So, him joining to be part of the vassal state, if you call it that way, with um, under uh, Ben Havard, is not a big deal to him. So, that's, I mean, the situation he was is the fact that he just wanted to live like the other people around him. All the people he knew were under this guy, so nothing is wrong for me to join them. So the question is, who are your allies? Who are the people that you are interacting with? And how are you going to act? You're going to act just like the people that are around you. Basically, that's what he was doing. He didn't see anything bad in him because others were around him. And he didn't know the Lord. I mean, he's one of the baddest. There's a word like that. He's a really bad guy. <laughs> idol and all that. So he was just doing what he knew best about the people around him. People pass you need to know that he didn't say no. It was the elders that told him to say no. So left for him, the king, you know, the Bible says that by the enemy has in common, I mean, to steal, to kill, and destroy. So the guy had come to steal. So when he was not coming to kill, 
that's, that's when he told the Ebi, he told the elders, and they said, well, no, this is not going to happen. So for him, because he's a king, and it's like the other kings. Okay, okay, so, okay, so, um, Ibami, do you want to jump in on that? Um, yes, you know, because I was, when I saw this as well, I was concerned. He didn't say, please, he just said yes. You know, so I thought that there might be history that this king had, you know, something had happened before. I, I, that was my thought. So I went backwards. I read backwards until I got to First Kings 15. And I saw some history there. It wasn't right. King Ahab, but his forefathers. So Israel right. was the one that first looked for trouble. It was Israel mm. that, had, um, looked, that had connected with King Ben-Ahab, the king he of does. Aram, Hagar, yeah. mm -hmm. the king of Aram, and had used them in the fight against Judah. So mm. the king of yes, Judah, had, <laughs> yeah, so yes, you had not to go and bring some evil person to fight. And that for me was, you know, another lesson. And um, when the king of Judah was going to react, he had taken what was left in the temple, all the gold and silver, given it to Ben-Hebab and said, cancel your accord with the king of Israel and then go yeah. and attack Israel. And King Ben-Hebab attacked Israel at that time and dealt with them. So this king knew what had happened in the past, that this guy was not a joker. He was a professional mercenary. He would go to whatever lengths to get whatever he wanted. So he, he, it was surrender because he knew where it was coming from. They were not okay. mates. Okay. So that's, okay. that's why I think it was easy for, well, he had no choice but to say yes. But I'll okay. wait until we get to the part of the elders because I have a comment there, but I'll wait okay. until we circle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so Onye, I, will just, I, I just want to bring it to that basic level of responsibility. So, so okay. All that we pay tribute, its fathers have aligned, you know, and they are they are they are, um, they are paying tribute to Syria. But someone says, "I want your children, I want your wife." I mean, where is that? Then kill me first. What What do you think? I read the um, the, the passage and it struck me because it was, of all things, why would you allow your wife, your children? to go and your silver and gold and then he comes back for something more and you're saying no so it it was really funny like okay obviously he didn't care about them but i oh. I, I just thought that um he could marry another wife oh. and, they could have another <laughs> children, and they could work for the silver and the gold again so he had other plans on how to gain but losing the kingdom itself wasn't what he was <laughs> Mm. Because if he lost the kingdom, then he'll be able to replicate every other thing that he had lost again. Mm. So, I don't know. I just thought that was <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a totally different perspective. But that's that's so beautiful because you know, and you know, so so the, the guy had other plans. That's hmm, you know. Uh, if they take wife, I can replace wife. If they take Piki, I can replace Piki. <laughs> but you know, but you know, what what does that tell us? Because we because I know a lot of men, young men, are watching this. You know, how should men respond when there is an imposter on your children? 
on your family. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if we the, the scripture we've been reading in Nehemiah chapter four verse fourteen, that's that's the scripture that has that was like the bedrock of this series of fight. You know, um, any of you can please read it for for us when you get there. Nehemiah four fourteen, um, and it it is it's an injunction on how we should respond as people concerning our wives, husbands, uh, children. So are you there? Can you read it yes. to me? Nehemiah okay. 4.14. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Amen. So, so clearly, you know, from the onset, God wants us to fight for our family, fight for our brothers, fight for our sisters, fight for our children, fight for our wives, fight for our husbands, you know, and, and it's, a, it's a big lesson because we, we shouldn't expect that we will have substitutes, you know, the, the reason people don't fight for what they should fight for, like Onyi said, is, is because they think, oh, I can, I can sub, I can substitute, I can sub him, I can sub her, you know, <laughs> you know. So God, God expects us to fight. And if you look at Christ, you know, God could have created a new set of creatures called human beings, <laughs> you know. <laughs> He could have, he could have, you know, but he, he came and he fought for us and he died for us and he paid the price on the, on the cross. It doesn't take him anything to create another uh, civilization in the planet, all the gigantic planets that he had, the galaxies that he's created. But he fought for us, you know, so it, it's a huge lesson for us. We, we need and we should fight. Okay, let's move on quickly from there. Now, if, if we look at verse, verses 6 to 7, which is um, the, the next thing we want to uh, deliberate on, which is but about this time, tomorrow, I will send officials, you know, to search your palace, and they will take away anything. So in other words, you're going to lose your kingdom, because when people can just come in and, and take anything they want, you're not, you've lost the kingdom, you've lost the rule, you know. Then Ahab summoned the elders, of the land and said, look how this man is telling you trouble. <laughs> 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 I have already, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. And we saw the response of the elders and the people, you know, so, so, and like, I think Pastor Gideon was alluding to that the enemy, John 10, 10, this thief comes not but to steal, to kill and to destroy. Jesus says, I have come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. So if you if you allow the enemy to steal and you think it will be content as stealing, you are joking. If you say, okay, let him just steal small, he doesn't stop at stealing. If you give him your peace of mind, he will want your health. If you give him your health, he will want your food. If you give him your food, you until he steals and destroys. So why? Don't we, from the point of he wants to start stealing, why don't we take the battle to the enemy? 
Mm. And you know, why shouldn't we? Okay, let us talk about it. Let me let me tell the guy the, the conversation. So we see that this man, this king, got to a place where he was about to lose his kingdom, his influence, and be reduced to, I mean, um, um, a figurehead of nothing, you know. Then they came together and they decided to fight. How do you see this play out in real life where people concede territories only to discover that the enemy until he wipes out a person? I mean, I, as a pastor, I can tell you several examples of people that would think, oh, okay, if I allow the enemy, uh, then he just concedes more. He doesn't, he's insatiable. So have you, have you, can you share any of such um, experiences? I mean, yeah. Okay, so um, before I share, um, an experience. I, I wasn't actually going to share an experience. I just wanted to comment on, okay. on this. Okay, yes. Okay, I'm, I'm Pastor Jide alluded to it before when he said he wasn't the one that, that pushed back. It was the officials. And this is why I differ a little from Onye's perspective, even though I love it. I love how she, she came at it. Right. Is that I think the officials pushed back because it then affected them. When King um, Ben-Hadad was, the, the time when he said he was sending the servants, it wasn't only the king's palace they were going to go to. They oh. were going to go to the official's houses and they were going to take stuff from the official houses. <laughs> now, the, the handshake had passed the elbow because at first it was the king that was being dealt with. No, it was everybody, actually. I, 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 yes, sir. I, okay. I know, sir. Okay. But you know, initially they said that he was going to take his gold, his wife, his, and so maybe the kingdom. That is representative of, of the wives of, his, of, of Israel. It's not only the king's wife. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's representative of the wives of Israel. It's a good yes, thought, because where you are going. But that's representative of, of, I'm going to take your wife, the children, your children. He's not talking about only the king. He's talking to the king and he's taking, look at when, um, then Daniel were taken as captive. So they've yes. taken their children. So all everybody's children is at risk. Yeah. I, I, yes, I, I understand okay. that, sir. But okay. you know, I think maybe because I read this in God's Word version okay. as well. Okay. So initially, it was okay. Everything I, you have is mine. And yes, the king represents the whole country. That was right. he said it. Right. Then he put a date to it. Tomorrow I'm coming to your kingdom. I'm going to take everything, and I'm going to take all the officials. And the officials were like, Otito, because what was the, it's, it's true that, you know, that we're drawing the line right now, push back. I, I don't think he would have pushed back if the officials, if everybody behind him didn't also, you know, say, okay. we are not okay. going forward. Okay. I, I think that whatever the reason, maybe because he wanted to get a finer queen or better children, okay. or whether he was broken because he was scared of this guy, he had lost that battle in his oh. mind. And that is a, you, Kukuma, um, you started stealing. I know you will kill and my hands are up in surrender. Oh. But he had a, a community of people who oh. decided that, okay, we're pushing, they encouraged him to push back. So I think your, your community is also um, important when oh. you have people that, even if you are tired and you can't fight at that moment, when you have a community of people that are like, oh yeah, raise up your head and fight. It kind yeah. of infuses some energy because this was the same king 
that was about to lose all. Yes, he was going to lose his kingdom. That was upping up the ante. But the oh. fight that came to him and the kind of response he sent back to the king, oh. he would not have dared give that kind of response in, chapter, in verse one. And it wasn't as if he had gotten a new reinforcement of soldiers. He just got a community of people that decided to fight with him. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so, Onye. Okay, um, I just want to look at verse um, seven again, which says, then the king of Israel summoned all the elders of the land. So it's not like he didn't, um, he didn't have the intent of fighting back because if he didn't, he wouldn't have summoned them. He would have just told them, okay, I, you know, let's just give them everything. And then he will come back to tell the elders later on that we have done this and we have to live with the, um, with the um, result. So for me, I feel like when we start off and then we have these challenges coming up towards little by little, we have it in our mind that we can handle this, we can fight this because it's seeming like we can. And so we are afraid to go to people who we know will push us to fight and to fight more. So when we think that, okay, for example, I have an issue and I feel like I can handle this, but if I, I know that if I go to pastor, he's going to give me certain steps to handle it more. So we are afraid to go to people who can. So I think that was what he, um, he was involved in. He felt that he could handle it at first. Okay, take our children. We have a plan after that. But now he's coming to our kingdom. Okay, no, we cannot do this. So he had to go to people that he knew would push him to fight more. So for me, I felt like that was just it. So, so my question now is why do we, why do people, I don't, I don't want to believe I'm one of them, but why do we wait till the enemy has uh, pushed us to a corner before we fight back? Why don't we usually fight back at the first encroachment of the enemy? Um, it's, it's Pastor Jude's turn. Yes, Pastor Jude. So just like everything else, um, I'm going to tell you something I've learned in this uh, fight series. Um, we don't want to make a hard work of anything. Hmm. In, <laughs> life, in life, generally, everything you have to fight for. What was from this fight series, uh, series I begin to think about it. Take something as simple as God has helped you to sleep well at night and wake up in the morning. But at 5 a.m. for you to get up, you are fighting your body to say, I need to go. So everything requires making an effort, making a fight of it. But if you can just give a little without doing that extra effort, why bother anyway? That's, 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 that's just human, generally. Yes. The second thing is, what do you have behind you before you go and make a confrontation or anything? So Ahab didn't have anything. The only thing they had is himself and his physical ability. He didn't have God. He didn't have the audacity. Because in those days, what happened is that you talk to a prophet and say, oh, God, what's God saying? Well, maybe these people are coming. He, he didn't do that because he didn't believe in God. And he didn't. So, so generally in our own times, even when we are Christian, we, we just want to do the little. We don't want to put an effort in. Because if you're going to fight a special battle, for example, you go to fast, you go to pray, you go to wake up in the middle of the night. So if the guy, the enemy says, okay, I'll just take a little chinchini. You say, well, I bet I can do it. I can, can do without that. So why do I have to make a part of it? That, that's why we do just the same way on, on the secular things. People don't do the work. 
so that they can get the reward. They can just say, well, I'll just do a little. So I, I think that's what it is. Awesome. So, um, Ivan, you want to say something? Oh, no. Well, um, it, it's that, so Pastor Gina has come from the perspective that we're naturally lazy, but it could also be that we're scared. Because it's almost, and um, I'm going to merge a little bit of what Onye said as well. It's almost like, okay, let me yield this. I can always get more, okay, it's, it's this he wants. They can take it. I can always get this back. Because if I take that position, I don't have to battle. I think that in my head, there is some zone where I'm neutral. I'm not looking for your trouble, I come in peace. It's a demilitarized zone, like he teaches. us. But there is no demilitarized zone. It is, it's a battle whether you want to fight or not. They want to fight. They want what you, what you have. The enemy wants what you have. So if you, if you realize that, that you know, whether you engage in peace or not, the battle will come. You might as well be on the offensive you know, to start with. But it's difficult to be on the offensive because all of us want the, you know, oh, God has been good to us. Let's just give praise to his name. And nobody wants to do the, you know, warfare, which, which is a lot of work. And it's a lot of not only work, it's, it's scary if you don't know who your base, who is behind you, you know? So I think it's just for us to be reminded that when we go into warfare, we are not the one doing the warfare. We're just connecting with the God that does the warfare, you know? So that should, that should um, encourage us not to be scared because being scared or not, ready or not, battle. 24-7. So we might as well battle. Battle ready. Okay. <laughs> so did you want to say something before we go to the next thing? Um, I think I would just agree with Pastor Ayabami. It's just right. fear of leaving your comfort zone. Oh. So, okay. Also, just a quick one. Oh, yeah. Also, just a quick one. So yeah. if you really know who is behind you and you have yeah. a relationship with that person behind you, be afraid. Let me give an example. You are from the United States and you want to go and fight Sudan or Ivory Coast or Nigeria in a, in a military war. You Why would about lose people to Nigeria. Why Nigeria? I said Sudan. So, so if you have an understanding who is behind you and you are in the right, you are a citizen of that country that is behind you, you will be afraid. The reason you are afraid is that you are not sure who is behind you or you are not in the right standing with people. And that's the case with um, Ahab. He didn't have anybody. He didn't have God behind him. But God is always behind the children of Israel. Because God, because of Judah, in the case of Judah, supported the children of Israel. So, and in this case, God fought for them because of the children of Israel, not because of him. Awesome. So, perfect. So, we, I'm going to go very quickly now um, for time. This scripture in verse 11 um, that says that a king, the king of Israel sent back this answer. A warrior putting on his sword for battle should not boast like a warrior who has already won. <laughs> you know, that is so big, you know, and we, I'm, I'm sure as you have read the different passage, um, the, the text of today, I'm going to go around at some point to ask you what questions do you have or what jumps at you, what you want to contribute um, outside of all the things I'm bringing up. Um, I also, I'm letting everybody know that is watching that you can, um, at some point, I'm going to ask you to ask questions. So if you have a question in your mind, just hold it and um, we'll ask questions at the appropriate time. So 
so we see here a very big lesson, you know, for for us. So we have you ever seen this play out in life? So let me just leave that as a blanket question. How have you seen this play out in life? Um, who wants to go first? Where the king, someone that is just getting dressed for battle, is boosting sometimes against somebody that has already finished his exam. <laughs> when, when a jambite is boosting against someone that has graduated, you know, <laughs> you know we see that a lot. Uh, or even if he's not boosting against, he's boosting us, you know, um, he's, he's, he's boosting as though he has graduated. You've just entered university, yet you are taking pictures with uh, with NYSC uniform. You're talking about serving, you know. <laughs> so yes, I want me go. Okay. Um. So I I saw I saw this as you know counting your chickens before they they hatched and we God God help us. You know I think sometimes people get overconfident about everything. So this is about and you take things for granted. Because this was what, what was happening to this king. He's like, Israel, these people, how many times will I show them? You know, I can beat them in my sleep. And we get that way. Sometimes for believers, it's that like God has helped you win battles. And then you start taking things for granted. Where you started from, where they will hear your voice in the middle of the night. Now, there's no need for you to pray anymore because you just feel as if it's okay. The God has been fighting my battles. is ready. He's going to do it this time. That's for believers. Sometimes at work, we take it for granted. We start a particular way. We're known to be diligent, this, this, that. We get a particular brand. And we suddenly feel as if we're living on past glory and we can do whatever. And we come into situations that under the most circumstances, like Samson, you know, that, oh yeah, even though he has lost his power, he thought he could rev up and, you know, go and fight. So I think it's a warning for us. It's a learning for, for us that, if someone, I mean, basically in life, I think we should never take anything for granted or any battle for granted. There is no small battle. Battle is battle. Come at it with the biggest weapon you have. It does not matter. It, in this, in spiritual battle, it doesn't matter if you use a hammer to kill a mosquito. Shabit, the mosquito is dead. That's as, as far as I'm concerned. Don't underestimate any battle. Right. And don't over, uh, overestimate your own potential right. and start taking things for granted. Um, there is a discipline to certain things. If you suddenly see someone telling, you know, talk, talking to you like this, asking, I, I will step back and go, what Absolutely. is wrong <laughs> Why is it suddenly? What is this where is this confidence? Exactly. Uh, absolutely. Thank you. Um, quick one. Uh, when you, do you have any thoughts on that? No, no, no. no. Okay. Uh, Pastor Jide. I'm trying to. Well, I just say that if you want no, to make a boast, I just yeah. want to say that if you want to make a boast, make sure that you make that boast in the name of the Lord. Just as David said, the Lord, you, yes, I come to you in the name of God of Israel, whom you have defied. So once you make reference to that God of heaven, this is back to now to ground. So you can boast, but make sure you're boasting is in the Lord. That is not me, but this is the person that's coming to you. 100%. So. So, and the examples goes on and on. We've seen people that are just two years married. They are, they are 
uh, reproving and correcting people that have been 20 years married. They are saying that, oh, why are you, why are you making your husband's food? You are even serving him. Ah, me, I can't do that to the woman will tell you, don't worry. <laughs> is it that you remain married? <laughs> we, we have been through it. Just continue the journey. Or you see a man that, you know, uh, tries to reason with his wife, tries to carry her along, tries to be nice and gentle. And you're a younger man, you're like, I mean, I can't take no sex from any woman. You know, cool, don't worry, just calm down. <laughs> just calm down. <laughs> okay, and also sometimes when I look at the COVID situation, I see how the United States of America is responding to China. Now, these people have, they are out of, they've just finished the battle. You, you are just starting the battle. <laughs> <laughs> you are talking like, yeah, um, like the people that have finished, you know? So it's, it's just very interesting. Um, okay, so let's go very quickly to, we'll take this. There's just so, you see, there's so much that we've not even delved into and our time is literally up, literally up. So I'm going to take <clears throat> verse 13. And the, the key thing here in verse 13 that says that a certain prophet came to hear and told him, thus says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. I mean, I, I think about it. A certain prophet. God did not even mention the prophet's name. <laughs> and a guy was speaking for God. And sometimes, you know, I do get the aspect of you have to let your light shine. You have to put it on the on the um, on, on the on the push on the um, table and not under the table for it to shine. But you know, sometimes I look at my friends. Contemporaries in ministry sometimes, sometimes younger, sometimes older, you know. And I'm like, it's all about branding. It's all about, it's all about my name. It's all about putting my name there. You know, it's all about, I'm like, it's God's work. So it's and, and you know, it's scary because the word. This prophet just delivered his message and left. When he was needed again, God brought him back to deliver a message and left. He needed no brown envelope. He needed no <laughs> a gunje. He needed no uh, uh, prophet seed. He needed no prophet offering. He just was a man of God, you know? I'm praying that a time will, a time, I mean, we will have people like that more and more in the name of Jesus, you know? It's, it's not about profiting, it's not about, it's not about self-aggrandizement, it's not about branding my image and myself as, as the apostle of change, you know? <laughs> you know? Oh. Okay, does anybody have any thoughts on that before we, we, we wrap? Um, I, I do. I, I think it's because that's what the world teaches us. Um, and, you know, 
it's, it's about branding. Those are the things that work in the world, but we can't translate that into the kingdom because they're polar opposites. Mm -hmm. So for them, it's good to have counsel around them, counsel that they listen to, to point mm -hmm. their attention to it because sometimes, I mean, we can't speak for them. We, we don't know them. Sometimes it, they get carried away. Sometimes some people give them counsel to say, do this. I know mm -hmm. that, you know, you resist counsel that tries to put you in that kind of mix. Mm -hmm. For some of them, they might not know better to be able to resist that kind, kind of counsel. So I think that's why it's extremely important to pray for the leadership of the church. Mm. It's extremely important for all of us, not only pray for our own leaders, but for leadership of the church generally, because- mm. Awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> Any thoughts on that, Inge? Yeah, um, it's very easy for us to forget um, that it is God has put us in a position. So we like to do beyond ourselves. So for the prophet, he could have told Ahab that, let me be your personal prophet. Mm. I can be here for you. <laughs> Anytime God speaks, you will hear it firsthand from me. But he knew what God had sent him to do. He did just that and then he went back. But mm. we are very, um, very, very slow to being patient with God. We want to be on the lame light. We even make suggestions to God that, you know, we can take this gospel forward in this mm. way. Like, <laughs> you another way, but we are seeing the potential everywhere. You are thinking that God is not seeing it with you, but we just mm. need that patience and the grace of God to be on the pace that he has called us to be. Oh, thank you. Pastor Gide. I mean, just a quick thing. So, um, the present world today is not helping social media. Everybody wants to be popular. You want to be seen, you want to be heard. Not the content that they have, even the things God didn't send them, they want to say. But for me, mm. my little example, one of the things that blesses me the most in the Bible is John the, John the Baptist. Oh. When they say, oh, are you the Messiah and all that? And he quickly said, even the Messiah shoes I cannot carry. Nothing mm. is given to man except it's given to him from the above. Oh, and I mean, you yeah. say, what do we have that we are not given? Oh. So, who understand that they won't be? I mean, they will. I mean, as uh, Moinye said, that that prophet who said, Well, build me a, a, a room in your kingdom so that oh. you don't have to, be <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I'll be a member of the house mm -hmm. of elders mm -hmm. and the council. Yes, this day and Yes, so and you know, and there's a lot to say that um, we've gone past one hour, so the people in Instagram will have to have restarted. I'm sure they've restarted by now, so we might as well. Uh, they have anyway, so we are rounded up, so we might as well land our thoughts properly. Um, so it's 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 sometimes very um, interesting, you know, um, what you said about John the Baptist, you know, can a man get anything except it, it is given from above? And if it is given, you know, I mean, it's, it is given, you know, and that is that has been a challenge of the church. The, if you look at church history, the church is most potent when the church is ignored by the state, you know? The church is most potent when the church is ridiculed by the by the world, ignored by the state, you know. But when, because of the miraculous parts of the church, 
politicians are drawn to it because they know that it secures the heart of the people. So because so because let's take the, the prophetic, for instance, there are different aspects of the supernatural. But because of the supernatural part of the church, politicians are easily wow, they're like, wow, and these people are not collecting money. So because they know that if they go to <laughs> this other places, they collect money, and people are not collecting money. And we need this kind of people in our corner. So mm. politicians now engage church leaders and put them in their corner, you know, mm. build a house, mm. like when you said, you know, mm. for them. So church leaders now have vested interest in political maneuvering. So they don't mm. want to make statements that will offend. So they, they now say, oh, ah, that president is my son. So I cannot <laughs> uh, talk about my son any. Bloody hypocrites. I'm sorry. So the, the, the point is, the point is, when the state has the church in its corner, the church loses its potency. The church, it becomes a problem for the for the gospel. It even becomes a problem for people because people are confused, you know. The church, as much as the values of the church should always influence the state and the secular world. The church must stand separate and must be able to step in and say, look, this is, thus says the Lord. You can behead us if you want to behead us. You can beat us if you want to beat us. But this is what, this is the word of the Lord. You know, the church must do that. The church must remain that. Again, that is a whole um, kettle of fish that if we open it today, <laughs> we spend hours and hours deliberating. Um, so um, I'm going to go around Robin again. Uh, before we take the questions from the different um, um, channels, if you are watching, this is the time to start typing your questions in so it can be collated for us. So if you have a question, please um, send them in. So I'm going to ask um, anybody that wants to go first, what do you have a question when you were reading this, or do you have a thought that jumped out for you at you that you want to share with us? Um, any one of us? Um, My question would be a question, it's a question and probably comment as well. So, um, God, God never sleeps. So, when, when Ben Hayat came first time to say, I'm going to take your wife, I'm going to take your children, God didn't say anything. He didn't send the, the prophet at that time. So, and I'm wondering, and I've seen that play out several times in the Bible. Sorry, say that again. Sorry again. So, at, at the first time, when the Ben Hayat came and said, I'm going to take your children, I'm going to take your wife, I'm going to. Yes. And Ahab said, No problems. Yes. God is prophet. He didn't say anything. Just let, just let this guy. Yes. So, so, it seems that when things get harder, that's when God comes into play. So, I've seen that play out. But my question is, why does God allow his children to get to that point? <laughs> and then, the, the, the relating to that, the second thing is, it begins to give me a little bit of hope about Nigeria, because as bad as Ahab was, God still fought for his people. Oh. So, because well, God, me... somebody has hope for Nigeria. <laughs> oh. uh, if the Christians come together, maybe. <laughs> Because the head was really bad, 
the leadership was really bad. So that's my question of comment. Now, why does God wait for us until that preaching before it? Okay, so, <clears throat> so, so basically, your first question is, why, do God, why does God wait for things to get really bad for him to step in? Now, if you look at it, you, you, um, it's, it's very instructive that God, if you, if you um, whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Whatever you refuse on earth, will be refused in heaven. It's always, when it comes to response to the enemy, it always starts from earth for, for man. So as long as they were giving their wives, their children, God was watching them. Is that what you want? Okay. But the moment you notice that God didn't say the word when the man came and said, we want to take your kingdom. The moment the king and the people said, no, we're going to fight. We are going to stand and we're going to fight. And the king, when, the, when Benedict sent the word and said, I'm going to wipe you out. And the king responded. The king responded before the word of God came. The king responded and said, you should not boast because he that is about to enter war should not boast as if he has finished. It was when God saw that response and said, this man is ready. God sent his word. And the prophet came and said, Thus says the Lord. Anon, 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 anon. So we see a big lesson here, big, huge lesson, just like the four lepers in Samaria, by the gate of Samaria. If we sit down here, we die. If we go to this camp of the enemy, we die. All die, now die. Now die. <laughs> All die, now die. So let us be, let us, let us be die on our feet. Let us, let us do this die we honorably. Let us do this die fighting. Let us do this die as men and not die like chickens. It was at that point that heaven moved in. It was at that point. Similarly in the case of Ahab, it was at that point that God sent his word. Don't worry. You know, this is your 7,000 words. They can't do anything. But well, because I am your God, and you have now aligned, you are now ready, I will give you the victory. Okay, thank you for that, Pastor Jide. So again, applying to Nigeria, yes, there's hope. We, the people, must be ready. All die and I die, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we talk more about that. Thank you. Um, um, okay, for me, what stood out was verse 22, and um, from the amplified version, it says, mm. Go strengthen yourself and observe and see what mm. you have to do. Mm. For at the first of next year, the king of Syria will come against you. Mm. So, even if God had already fought for them in the past, he still told them to plan ahead for the oh. next battle. Oh. We, we are quick to relax and say, oh, okay, God did it before. He will do it again. There's nothing that we have to do. But we need to plan ahead to take the step that we need to take so that when it finally comes, we are not unprepared. 
prepared. As us trusting him, he's looking at us being prepared. There are things that he will do, but there are things that we also have to do. So mm-hmm. apart from knowing that he's faithful and he can do all things, we have a part to play. So that really stood out for me. Amen. We, 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 we do have a part to play. Um, thank you. So no questions, I guess. No. Uh, okay. Um, my comment is from what stood out for me was um, the last very last ver- verse in this teaching when they said um, verse 31 Ben Hadad's officer said to him sir we have heard that the kings of Israel are merciful let humble ourselves etc till the, till the end and okay so that might be like a good thing to be said of that you are merciful but that might also be you know how they say um, you're a nice guy and it's actually an insult. Bobo nice. You, yes, Bobo nice. And it's actually an insult. It is good to be merciful. Our God is merciful. But this was someone that, number one, you're in battle with. The king of Israel here, where he messed up for me was, I was really impressed at the beginning. When the prophet spoke to him, he asked questions. Yeah. Who, will, who will fight first? How it, it was happen? specific. How will it happen? You know, they said, how will it happen? And then he, it, it was, he asked two questions that were very specific. And I was actually impressed that I don't even engage God like this. If God had told me I'll win, I might just walk away and start dancing instead of finding out how will I win. I know that just because I asked doesn't mean God will answer, but at least let me ask. He asked two qualifying questions, which prepared him strategically for battle, and he won. Now... Being a merciful Bourbon Nance, if you go down from that verse, you were giving answer. Who are you? No, it, would you have won that battle on your own? He, it, it wasn't about, I, I, well, I know that maybe, I, I don't know why they call them merciful kings, but it, it played into this Bourbon Nance kind of mentality. If he had held on to God and asked questions like he was asking before, he wouldn't have fallen into the trap that he fell into. My point is, it is good to be merciful, but be merciful at the right time. Go back and say, is it time to stop praying this prayer that I'm praying? Should I pray it until everything is, is a tactile level or should I stop now and be merciful? It's not for me to decide who to be merciful to. God is the merciful one. I will keep in warfare until God says, okay, Otito, again, is enough. You know, and he will decide to show mercy because there is a, awesome. there is, yes. <laughs> okay, sir. Awesome, totally awesome. Now, um, so we see, I mean, spot on. So we see that um, Ahab, first and foremost, the first thing you said, is it the reputation of, oh, the Christians, you know, they were interviewing telemarketers. Telemarketers in the US can be a nuisance, you know. They were just, particularly when the landlines were, I mean, were everywhere. They would just call your homes and begin to sell this and sell that. You know, and the telemarketer says that the people they love to call are Christians because they don't know how to say no and they, <laughs> and they don't know how to cut the line. They will want to be nice and everything. So they will barrage them with our products. You know, <laughs> I'm like, they should call some, someone, some Christians like us. <laughs> you know, the point is, yes, there's a place where you're... <clears throat> You are even in in all our relationships. I mean, sometimes even in marriages, 
There's a case where a spouse is nice, is a fool, or she's a fool. You know, we will keep pouring crap down her throat or down his throat. Is you know, and it's a place where <clears throat> you shouldn't take crap because God has not told you to take crap. <laughs> so, like you said, um, you, in this particular case of uh, Ahab, he didn't get the victory by himself. It was God that gave him the first victory. He didn't even know the second battle was coming. God told him the second battle was coming. God gave him the, now these people came. You now feel you want to obnub. You want to feel among. You want to, you want to oh, uh, now they're accepting me in the leagues of the kings. If, I mean, that is another chapter. Well, that's another discussion. <laughs> so, you know, God said, eh, okay. So all of a sudden, this guy is your part. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And the prophet disguised, you know, and delivered the word. And it wasn't palatable, you know. And he had went home very sad. <laughs> until he died. So, if victory belongs to Jesus, but like you said, mercy belongs to Jesus. My own is to <laughs> fight. So, <laughs> you know, I'll say to someone that, you know, it's we are friends. We are let's just just let's be friends. Don't let us fight. Don't let us fight because you know. If it is to fight, you don't want to be on the other side of my fight. My fight is fight to finish. It is only God that will, be, <laughs> that will bring the way. And if God says, stop it, of course I'll stop it. Praise God. Yeah. But if I know, if I know that this person is a serpent, the snake, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna fight. No way. I'm gonna fight, you know, and you know, and I'm and I'm gonna fight not with not with pistol. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you know, folks don't like hearing this. They say, "Oh, pastor, we are supposed to be, you know, uh, lovey dovey, you know, etc., etc." You know, <laughs> praise God for love. Okay, so thank you for that. So there's a question that has come in from one of the channels. It says, God told the king to prepare because the armies will be back. Why didn't God just finish the battle that first time? <laughs> because the king didn't do so well the second time. Yeah. So the, the, the question, the issue is, if you, work, if you look at it very well, so this person is saying, why didn't God finish the battle? It was the king of Israel that determined when the battle was over. They went to war. The king, um, Ben-Adad, escaped. And a whole lot of other um, enemy forces. The walls even killed 20,000 of them. But the king escaped 27,000. The king escaped and hid. If the king of Israel had said, everywhere we have to, fi we have to find this king and behead him, 
king who have been beheaded, you know, who have been found. The king of Israel felt he had victory, you know, and relaxed pretty much. And God was kind enough to warn him that, look, this thing is still coming back the following year. This thing is coming back next year. This thing is coming back next year. So it wasn't on God, really. It was on the, it was on the king of, of, it was on here. It was on the king of Israel, you know? Um, so many things we, we, we think is on God is really not on God. It's, it's on us, you know? A lot of things are on us, you know? So thank you for that, um, for that question. In fact, God was merciful, yeah? I'm seeing comments uh, on, on the different channels. God was merciful to, to do, allow him to win again, mm. you know? And it would have allowed him to win the third time, if need be, but the king of Israel sold out. Okay, <clears throat> so um, that's it. No more questions here. If you want to, um, we thank our contributors for today. Let's clap for our contributors. Um, Pastor Gide, thank you uh, for your insights. Pastor Ebami, thank you for your insights. I'm very welcome. Yeah. Thank you for your insight. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, so thank you everyone for for joining us. You know they are clapping for you on social media. Um, yeah, thank you for joining us. Hmm, there's another question. I'm seeing another question on social media. Do we have time for it? Um, do we have time for it? Okay, let me take it quickly. There's a question here by Anne Opara. says, what criteria do you use to determine if someone is a serpent, especially knowing man's heart is desperately evil? If we are left only to our own opinions, insight or everyone is wrong, that's very correct. Us will be a serpent. If we are waiting for God to verbally tell us to stop, when if when does forgiveness occur? That is totally correct. Okay, so let me explain. Let me explain that. I will say that generally, so we we are to forgive. Obviously, someone offends you, you forgive the person, you move on. Someone becomes a serpent. When the person says, I will not stop until I destroy you. I hope you are listening. That's, that's, that's someone that is a serpent. Someone that says, it's not someone that offends you. Someone that offends you is not a serpent. Just says, how many times should my brother offend me? Seven, seven times, seven, you know, <laughs> you know, seven times seven, whatever, you know. So you shouldn't keep count of that. You shouldn't keep score of that. But if someone is determined to wipe you out, if so, either physically, let's take an example. Someone comes to your house with a gun. You have your, your wife and your children at home and you have a gun. And somebody pulls a gun and, and comes into your house. What are you gonna do? 
Huh? What are you going to do? Um, Anna, Anna Opara, what are you going to do? Oh, Anna, is you. Hi, Anna. Okay, I remember you. What are you going to do? You can you have a choice. You can lie down flat and be shot and be a statistic, or you can protect your family. <laughs> what are you going to do? You protect your family. So if someone comes and says, I'm going to take you out, I'm going to take you out now, you have a choice. Roll and be killed, or you protect your family. That's your choice. My choice is I'll protect my family. That's my choice. <laughs> That's my choice. So that is when the person becomes a serpent. When the person is unrepentant in taking you out. No, you arrange a meeting between them and God and decide, let God decide if he wants to forgive. <laughs> not physically, I'm not saying you're killing people. I'm saying you take his position spiritually. So thank you guys. Um, um, <laughs> thank you. Let me see. Is there any other question here? The questions are not. Um, it's a good thing I'm, I've seen the chats myself because the question. Okay, the questions are virtually getting here. So, so thank you. Um, thank you all for your time. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your time. So, um, um, they've been, okay, and let me, let me give this illustration, example, and I'll, and I'll close from here. Now, years ago, this is years ago, I try to remember many years ago, but definitely close to two, de two decades ago, you know, I was, I had, I had this burning sensation on my hand. I mean, from this place to this place, as in born, as if they put iron, you know, burning on my skin, on my hand. I, I couldn't see anything. I didn't know what was there, what was going on. So I checked with God. I, I was like, what's going on here? And the Holy Spirit said to me, showed me someone, a lady, and said to me that she's projecting witchcraft, you know, She's, she's projecting witchcraft against you. She's using witchcraft and projecting it against you. I'm like, ah, hey, that one is better butter, you know? <laughs> yeah, that one is the easy peasy. Easy peasy. Let's, let's sort this one out right away. I will show her something real quick, you know? <laughs> I was going to show her something real quick, you know? And... The Holy Spirit said to me, she's my daughter. Ah, I'm like, your daughter. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> you know, you know, a lot of Christians are, are actually um, in witchcraft and they don't know. Anyway, that is the topic for another day. And they are Christians. He says, he said, it's my daughter. Love her. Don't fight her. <sighs> so I was like, let me show this girl something. <laughs> you know? So you will not believe it. You don't believe it. I think I said to her, I can't, I can't remember what, maybe I bought lunch for her. I took her out to lunch or something. So I just said, I was, I just walked up to her, you know, you know, said, okay, 
oh, I got this for you. I can't remember if that was what happened, but I did something out of my way to, you know, I said, oh, your hair is really nice, you know? And I said, oh, thank you. And I kid you not, the thing lifted. Wow. The thing lifted. So, so did I fight? Yes. Love is also a weapon. <laughs> Love is also a weapon. Love is, love is a strong weapon, you know? So um, thank you for your time. Thank you for, uh, thank you again for our contributors. Um, that's it, I'll pray with you now. Father, we thank you. We honor and we adore you in the name of Jesus. We pray for everyone. We ask that you breathe upon everyone. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and show you peace and so shall it be in Jesus mighty name we are praying Amen Thank you for listening to this I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends God bless you Tell it in my cause that I